0: Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for the Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Combining cutting edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. And this is Jeremiah Johnston, president of the Christian Thinkers Society, where our mission is to inspire Christians and pastors to become thinkers and thinkers to become Christians. So if you're a thinker and you're perhaps thinking about faith, we hope that this is a program that you are enjoying and hearing the great arguments for the Christian faith and the great evidence at our disposal. And if you are a Christian thinker, I've got some information that I want to share with you today that I think needs to... Be on your radar. I was speaking recently at a major conference in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I showed a slide, and it was a headline from the Spectator uh, newspaper uh, in the United Kingdom, and here was the headline, 2067, colon, the end of British Christianity. Now, think about that for a moment. At first, I thought it was one of these sensational headlines until I read all of the print and the footnotes and the studies that lie behind the article. Every 10 years, there is a census in the United Kingdom, and the most recent census detailed that between 2001 and 2011, the number of Christians born in Britain, are you ready for this, fell by 5.3 million. Friends, that is an attrition rate Of the Christian faith in the United Kingdom of 10,000 per week. And so the author is trying to be a little cute here, but uh, he's taking the projections to their fullest extent, and he's saying that if that slide continues, this slide, and hear me right now if you're a Christian thinker. If the church in the United Kingdom continues to descend by 10,000 a week, that they are losing 10,000 a week, 5.3 million over 10 years, there will be no Christians left by 2067. Do you know what my response is to this article? Not on my watch. And I hope you say the same thing. Not on your watch, because we are in the most exciting time to be a follower of Jesus. But we have to be aware as careful, critical Christian thinkers about what's being said about our faith from those who are outside of the Christian belief system. And so here's an article uh, that talks about the fact, and it is accurate, friends, that so many of the great cathedrals and churches in the United Kingdom Guess how they're being used right now? And this ought to get our attention. They're being used as nightclubs. That's right. There are former churches that are abandoned that are now nightclubs, condominium complexes. My favorite pizza place, when my wife Audrey and I lived in Oxford in the United Kingdom, our favorite pizza place, and we visited probably once a week with our daughter Lily Faith, was an abandoned church. Everybody in the church simply died. And that's why this program, I think, is so important. That's why so many people are listening to it and participating with it. That's why this program is essential for your faith, so you can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and love God with all your mind. Now, stay with us. I have a fabulous guest coming up, my dear friend Chris Brown. You've probably heard him on the Dave Ramsey Show or seen him on Fox Business Network or CNBC Uh, We're going to ask him a lot of questions about what's happening today in the church and how we can prepare in our family uh, to be great stewards in every aspect of that. So, again, this is your host, Jeremiah. Stay with us back in 90 seconds. And Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston show friends as I said at the intro I have been so excited indeed have been counting down the days uh, to have this discussion and I'm so glad you're going to be joining us as I talk with Chris Brown truly a financial guru for the kingdom of God. Uh, but what I love about you Chris what I love about the way in which you explain stewardship is you do it in such an approachable accessible applicable manner. Uh, Chris, it's so great to have you with us on the Jeremiah Johnson Show today.
1: Yeah, I'm honored to be on. Thanks for the
0: invite. Well, Chris, on this program, we don't just teach people what to think. We actually teach people how to think, how to engage, how to think critically through the issues. And I've received thousands of text message questions, uh, really not just here in the United States, but across the Canadian provinces, across the United Kingdom at our live Christian Thinker Society events. And it never ceases to amaze me. The amount of conflict that arises around money within relationships, especially in a faith context. And you'd think that we would have the corner on this. I mean, that we would truly understand it uh, because it's mentioned quite a bit in the Bible. But there's so many divergent opinions about money. What is a biblical uh, what is a great biblical view of money? Can you just educate us for a few moments on this? Because I think so. I can distill so many of the questions that I receive. And, and what does the Bible actually say? What should our attitude about it be?
1: Well, I love that you're asking the question because uh, you know we've got all these voices in our head, all these uh, media messages that are coming at us, either in you know, you know verbally or we actually see them going on the road, or maybe it's on TV or or uh, you know, secular radio stations, but all of them have this central message. And the central message is, buy this, do this, go here, and then you'll be happy. Uh, it's, it really fosters – there's not really anything wrong with one of them by themselves. So when you accumulate all of them together, it, it really screams entitlement that we deserve, that we work so hard for our money. And when you look at the biblically, the biblical way of looking at finances, it's completely opposite. It is a heart of gratitude. So if I were to sum up the two different viewpoints, there's the world's way of looking at money and handling money, and that is through entitlement that I deserve. And then God's way of handling money is wrapped up in gratitude. And, and somebody may hear that and say, gratitude about what? Well, oh, great question. Uh, the gratitude is uh, all comes from the fact that God trusts us enough with his stuff. You think all the way back to the early Old Testament, he said, I will give you dominion over these things. He trusts us enough with his things. Um, to be managers. Um, and then you got to go all the way back in our faith system and say, you know what? Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So if he's the owner, that means that we're not. Uh, so what are we? We are the managers. Uh, we manage all these things for God. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, those who have been entrusted to be managers must prove faithful. So even as I say that right now, somebody may be listening in going, I already knew that. And I would just challenge all of our listeners and challenge you and challenge myself. How much of us knowing that is just cerebral? How much of that is only in our head and how much of that's actually penetrated our heart where we are so filled with gratitude that everything that we own, are, those of us that have children, those of us that are married, our spouse, everything that touches our hands, everything that we're engaged in is all God's. And he, he trusts us in us to manage his stuff, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And if that really penetrates our heart at a deep level, it'll change the way we handle every single transaction. And we'll find ourselves handling money God's way and not the world's money. We'll avoid debt, and we will save, and we will invest, and we will budget. And we'll do things because we know that we're managing for the Creator.
0: My guest today on the Jeremiah Johnston Show is Chris Brown. You've probably heard him on different national radio programs. You've probably seen him on Fox Business or CNBC. He he is a great ambassador of the kingdom, and he not, does so not just in the Christian world, but also in the secular world. Chris, thank you so much for commenting on this subject of gratitude. And, friends, I would just remind you, I talk often about the intersection of faith and mental wellness. There are quite a few studies coming out and I've just been educated by by looking at these in depth is that our ability to experience gratitude is the single most important barometer of our mental health, our ability to experience gratitude. And so, Chris, when you reflect on the fact that this attitude of gratitude is essential to have a right stewardship motif, to have a right biblical worldview about stewardship, it really does flow from a heart of gratitude. Can you talk for a moment about just the place of salvation important? importance? Some of us, we're not that grateful, perhaps because we've lost our first love. What, what would you say to that?
1: Yeah, so some of us may be hearing that and say, you know what, that might be easy for you to say, but for me, I'm in a season where I'm on the poverty scale or I have lost my job. And I think if we all go back to where our faith is originated, uh, and the fact what we really deserve is uh, eternal damnation, uh, because of which, I hate to be so heavy, but uh, biblically that is true, that because of Jesus, we actually can hear this broadcast, and we actually can bring this broadcast. And so when you go back that far, and you think about what we really deserve, and what we have, you are filled with gratitude. And um, I think it's one of those things where you've got to surround yourself around the right people that foster this inside of you. If you listen to, and I hate to pick on the news, but if you're listening to uh, most media outlets, I won't say all, but most media outlets that are very, very negative and about everything that's wrong in the world and you surround yourself around people who are always pointing to everything that's wrong in the world, well, you hang around with trash, you're going to be in the snow like it. Mm. So you got to make sure you're hanging around with the right voices that are speaking gratitude, that are always remembering all these blessings that we've had, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks who are complaining about how much they don't have while they're wearing $200 jeans and they have a $600 phone in their hand and they're getting their hair done for 100 bucks. So we got to make sure that we get perspective. Uh, think about how, if you're listening broadcast, you're in a part of the country that's in the top 1% of the world's wealth. Mm-hmm. And so if you just get your perspective right, you're like, oh, yeah, I have a lot to be grateful for.
0: Mm, that's so powerful, Chris. Um, can you talk for a few minutes about something because – I've also seen the flip side, and I know you have too. And I know there are many of our listeners and those listening on the podcast and those listening online who are incredibly generous individuals. I mean, they have a God-given generosity. The scriptures talk about spiritual gifts, and I love discussing this because one of the spiritual gifts is the gift of giving. Can you discuss this for a few moments with us?
1: Yeah, I think whether somebody has the gift of giving or not, I, I, I would encourage everyone listening in that to make sure that you find something to give. And it doesn't have to be just monetary, but your time, your energy, a high size, a, a, um, an appropriate herd at work to make sure it's an appropriate yeah. uh, I don't care what it is. Uh, whatever it is, just give. I don't know if it's a, a, a little bit of uh, some cookies for the neighbor. But I don't the Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty five, the generous will prosper. And, of course, that doesn't just mean with money. That means a lot of different ways that you can prosper. The tail end of that verse says this. I don't know if anyone here listening in today wants to be refreshed. Wants to be refreshed, but check out this verse. It says those, or it says, uh, those who refresh others themselves will be refreshed. Mm. And we get to give. It is the time of your life where you'll be the most like Jesus than any other time. It is the mm. most fun that you'll ever have with money. And if you think about all the different things you've done with money in your lifetime, and then you think of those times where you went out of your way, out of your comfort zone, and you were, you were generous with attention, with time. One of the things you can be generous with is just attention. In today's world, when everyone's looking at their phone, if you can just look up and make eye contact with somebody and attentively listen to somebody, you can get the generosity of your time and attention, which most people in this world, especially in the Western world, have not had somebody pay 100% attention for a couple minutes in a very long time. So I would encourage anybody, whether you have the quote-unquote gift of generosity or not, it is the best thing for you. God wants you to, I mean, God doesn't need your money. If he wanted your money, he could beat you up and take it. It is what he wants for you. He wants you to be a generous person because he knows you'll be refreshed.
0: Mm, This is so powerful. Our guest today of the Jeremiah Johnson Show is Chris Brown, and I want to encourage you to go and connect with him on social media, on Instagram, on his public Facebook page, and also on Twitter. He's always dropping wisdom. I just love it. Uh, It's Chris Brown on air. That is the Uh, handle Chris Brown on air. Now I want you to stay with us on the other side of this 90 second break because one of the reasons that I mentioned I've been counting down the days to talk to Chris to glean wisdom from him is Chris I want you to give us some very practical next steps in our next segment on how we can do family budgeting but specifically, how do we teach our children the value of money? I'm the father of four wild boys, including triplets, Chris. I'm the overstressed father of triplets, as you know. Uh, an amazing princess daughter, Lily Faith, as well. But one of the ways, reason, and I have my pen out, and I want to encourage all of our listeners, if you can, if you're not driving, but listen to this or listen to it later, take notes to what Chris is going to tell us, because on the other side of this break, He's going to give us some great practical steps about family budgeting and the value of money in the home. Chris, it's great to have you on the program. Friends, don't change that dial. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host Jeremiah Chris. I had a very unique experience the other day. Um, we have artificial intelligence in our home now. <laughs> in the view, Alexa has joined our family, and I arrived home the other day from a trip, and I got home and there was a box on the front door. I opened it up and it was a Transformers figure. And I asked Audrey. I said, because we really budget carefully. I said, did, you know, it's Justin's birthday is not for several months. You know, how did we get this? Well, finally, uh, we determined that Justin had asked Alexa to send him a Transformers toy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so it was one of those unforgettable moments as a parent. Uh, but I really noticed that in talking to my amazing six-year-old son. Uh, I need more information on how we teach our kids the value of money and earning. Obviously, they see their parents working extremely hard, great work ethics, but how, what are some practical ways that we can teach biblical stewardship principles to our children to where they really understand the value of money?
1: Yeah, so, you know, it, that's just a hilarious story, but uh, no matter how old your kids are at home, those of you that have kids, um, we could be doing this. We could be teaching little, little tiny uh um, lessons on money, uh, if they're, you know, let's say younger than six years old, it might just be something as simple as a clear penny bank. And uh, and that's why I'm saying clear is because you want them to see progress. And mm-hmm. whenever they go to spend, you want them to see that go down. And, uh, and so that's a really good practical thing for those who are maybe five or six and under. Once you get to about five or six, then you start bringing out the whole idea of uh, a gift's a Give, save, and spend, three different jars. And mm. then anytime they're given money, uh, working around the house, age-appropriate chores like emptying the dishwasher or doing the laundry or cleaning out the gutter, uh, you name it, anything like that, and then you pay, I'm, let's say, $10, and you say, okay, well, here's $1 is going to be for giving, and we're going to give first. You're going to save second, and for you, it's up to you guys. and want you to decide, but maybe 20% on saving, and then they get to keep 70%. And then um, you just keep watching those. And then, of course, you watch them at church, you're going to help them uh, give and the plate and experience that. But those are some really good things for mm. them to do. And then, if they get to, I don't know, 14, 15 years old, you start bringing them in into your budgeting discussions. Uh, here's some of the decisions we're making as a family. Uh, we want to go to Disney next summer. So, because we want to do that, we've got to start saving now. And to do that, we're going to cut down the cable, uh, we're going to cut a little bit of this data plan on our phone Uh, we're going to do a little bit of extra work over here and uh, we need two thousand dollars for this trip so over the next 10 months we need to save two hundred dollars and you just kind of teach them those kind of Mm -hmm. uh, you're going through those wrestles as a family oh shoot we have these medical bills pop up and so we have this now thirteen thousand dollars medical bills here's the adjustments we're going to make as a family to make sure that we can pay those things And um, you just walk them through those kind of decisions. And so what you're doing is you're providing a sales-safe environment for them with just a net underneath them so they can make these little tiny mistakes. Let them make the mistakes um, and uh, just walk them through it. But, uh, yes, you definitely can't teach yourself, uh, teach your kids enough about finances because this is the number one cause of divorce in America is money fights and money problems. Uh, The average kid has graduated from college with $37,000 in student loans. Average Americans spending a dollar twenty-six for every one dollar that they earn, and eighty-eight percent of America is living paycheck to paycheck or worse. So, you know, going back to college, I am convinced that there's not a um, student loan crisis in America. There's a parenting crisis crisis in America, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got to teach our kids about finances.
0: Mm, this is so good, dropping this wisdom on our program you 've heard him on television, uh, radio, and television of course i 'm talking with Chris Brown. Please follow him on social media at chris Brown on air uh, again, Chris, We thank you for this Wow spending a dollar twenty six for every dollar you earn. the average American. Um, you mentioned something a moment ago, and I want to drill down further because again, this answers so many questions that. Uh, Come up in conversation at Christian Thinker Society. It's the number one cause for conflict and even divorce in the home. Can you expound a little bit more? And then for the couple that's listening, and and what couple hasn't, Chris, had a disagreement over finances? I mean, I, I think it's important we also extend grace, but. How do we have disagreements uh, and then come to agreements about finances? How do we do it? How do we communicate? I mean, what are some of the power tips you can give us for the next few minutes about ceasing the conflict or at least the drama as it relates to talking about money in our homes?
1: And one thing we need to understand is that money was designed to build our marriage, not bust our marriage. It -hmm. was designed to be a tool and not a weapon. And so when you think about money – I know for many of us, we think of it as frustrating, but it really can be fun, and it really goes back to the budget. And I know everyone thinks the budget's like the dreaded B word. You think about the last time that you ever did a budget, you're like, oh, my goodness, I can remember her throwing a frying pan at me. But you don't have to call it a budget. Uh, You can call it a a, a cash flow plan, if you will, or a spending plan. It's so liberating. Uh, Maybe not to your favorite business character if you want to, but the bottom line is, is we can have proactive conversations about money, or we can have reactive conversations about money. And um, we choose. And those who have been married for a while, you know this, it's just going to talk about those things regardless. So you make a choice. Are we going to do it on the front end, or are we going to do it on the back end? And I'm telling you, proactive conversations are way better than reactive. So think about what the, what's coming up in the month. If you're deciding on making a big purchase, say, I really want to purchase this, have that conversation unfold. That will make everything better. But it all goes down to that meeting about what will the next month look like. We know Proverbs 20 and 18. Anyone who has been a believer for any time knows about Proverbs 20 and 18, there is no vision that people perish. Another version says it casts off restraint. And that's the way many of us are living our month. We're casting off restraint. And we're getting to the 25th of the month, and then we're going, oh, shoot. So then what do you do? Well, swipe, 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 and next thing you know, you're in trouble. Around Christmas time, the February you hate to December you, and uh, it happens all the time, and then there comes the fight. So the best way to avoid the fights is to have a conversation on the front end, and I would just tell people, listen, have a romantic financial date night. I love and this. I know that sounds hilarious. <laughs> it sounds hilarious. It's like there's no way that could be fun. But when you go <laughs> back to on the front side, you, you attach it to vision. It's no, no longer about money. It's about vision It's stuff. This is what we want to do as a couple. This is what we want our, our, our retirement to look like. This is what the cases we want to go on. That's all fun. Okay? Now, how do we get there? And then you kind of agree together on how to get there. And then it's all based around business, not about dollars and cents. And now it's more proactive than reactive.
0: Hmm. This is so good. We're listening to Chris Brown, and I've been taking notes because romantic financial date night. I'm never going to get that. Chris. Uh, I think I've been doing it. I just didn't know what the title was. Uh, But I can attest to this, friends. I can attest. I'm someone that, you know, my ministry was not given to me. I didn't inherit it. My wife and I started it literally on a diaper box 10 years ago in Oxford, England. We had the vision for Christian Thinker Society. But, you know, that vision didn't write itself, Chris. I love it that you've quoted us the wonderful proverb, where there is no vision, the people perish. And um, I want to, I, on the other side of the break, Chris, I want you to speak specifically to some leadership principles. We have so many pastors, hundreds, who listen to this program. We have other individuals who are Christian business leaders as well, who have considerable influence on their companies. I want to talk about some power tips for leaders as a results to money in our final segment with you again you're listening to the jeremiah johnston show on 90 seconds Uh, i'm going to be asking chris for power tips if you're a leader about managing money but also managing people and relationships along those same lines so don't change that dial stay with us Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. I'm your host Jeremiah, and I'm speaking to Chris Brown, who is a financial guru. He's managed multi-million dollar budgets for mega churches, and he has spoken to the heart of many men and women across the country through uh, what he's done on media. Chris, is, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I want to talk for a few moments to all of the leaders who engage with us who. Uh, I want you to respond to something for a few moments. And, you know, I like to ask difficult questions. That's what we built our ministry on. Um, What is your theological perspective about leaders? And I'm talking specifically about ministry leaders talking about money because uh, certainly in our generation, I think that there are some voices that believe you should just never mention money. I mean, will you please educate our audience about how important it is we do discuss these things? But what are the power tips involved?
1: Well, I think it's an absolute tragedy that the church in America would not speak to money, that the the folks that are outside the church, they need help in all the pain points in their life. And right now, the way it is, is that uh, somebody who's far from God can look to the church for guidance when it comes to parenting, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to career, when it comes to friendships. Why in the world would we not be the authority that there is for money as well when we are based on the rock of the Bible? Um, you know, the Bible has got 2,350 verses in it that have to do with money, wealth, and possessions, which is more than any verses about heaven or hell combined. And if you look at the parables, Jesus actually spoke more about money than he did love. Um, So obviously he knew, uh, God knew that we were going to have trouble with money. And if the church doesn't talk about it, I think it's an absolute tragedy. And I think a lot of times, it's not talked about just because there's tension with it. Uh, it's, it's just real. It's just, there's tension. And here's another reason why, and I'm not picking on my ministry friends, but it is a reality. A lot of times it's hard to talk about a subject that you're not managing well, mm-hmm. and it just really is. But if they were to bring it up and just say, I'm learning with you and lead through a vulnerability and say, I haven't gotten everything right, it would be powerful. I wish that there was more teaching in America. Uh, that had vulnerability tied to it you know what i'm not getting this right either i'm not perfect but man let's go down this road together let's look what biblical finances need to look like and let's make those adjustments in our lives They included those are really powerful times in the life of the church
0: i agree with you chris i've said before and it's not original to me but vulnerability is the new superpower i think in doing ministry today being vulnerable to investigate things together, learning how to think critically together and investigate these issues. Uh, Chris, how can you? what are some steps that you would encourage to the pastors who are listening for how to specifically get over? Because, again, they don't teach this. This is where I think you are so effective, Chris. They don't have these classes at any seminary that I'm aware of, and I've taught at many seminaries, both as lecturers and guest lecturers, that we have pastors who don't know how to read financials, Then we pick board members who don't know how to read financials, and budget meetings go into free fall. I mean, what are ways, besides listening to everything you say, um, how can our pastors get over their fears of talking about money? Because I want to say something, and again, I don't know if I got this from Maxwell. Maybe I got it from you, Chris, but I quote it all the time. I've never met a tither who gets upset at a sermon on tithing or stewardship? you know what I'm saying i mean how how do we how do we get pastors over the hump to where they can I'll never forget this, and let me just add this parenthetical note when I was pastoring, a woman came up to me and said she had felt robbed by the she used that term robbed by her previous pastor, who for twelve years had never spoken about money she just had never heard. The biblical principles about stewardship, so can you give some encouragement to pastors right now? Where do they begin? What are the steps?
1: Yeah the first step, and this will this will uh, challenge everybody listening in but this i 've actually seen this happen, and it was a very powerful one. a church that I uh, attended, and I also was an executive pastor at a uh, years ago um, one weekend came out and he sat on the edge of the stage. This is about a 1,400 seat auditorium, and there's about a thousand people in the auditorium, and uh, high production. Um, and he just sat on the end of the stage and kind of just had a conversation. He said, "Hey, y'all, I need to apologize. Multi-side looking into the camera. I want to. Move, I, want, I just. I need to apologize as your shepherd, as your pastor, all locations. I need to apologize about something. Of course, you can hear a pin drop. Lots mm-hmm. of tension in the room, but got everyone's attention." But just swallowed his pride and said, "You know what? The more I read the scriptures, the more I get involved. You know, get closer to God and get more. Into God, I have literally used your same word, robbed you of some of the biggest blessings in your life, and that's in the area of generosity. That's in the area of, of stewarding God's finances. I have been so scared to bring up this subject with you because of those who have taken advantage of this in the in the in the church world, which is Really, only about ten percent, but it gets a lot of media coverage, so everyone freaks out. But because of a couple personalities that are out there that have abused these teachings, I've stayed away from them, and I literally have robbed you of some of the biggest blessings in your life. Because everyone needs to understand that within stewardship, stewardship is not only a responsibility. Remember, I told you earlier about First um, Corinthians four two; those are the entrusted managers must be faithful. And it's also a privilege. We get to manage for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but these people did not ever know that. I never taught of That's what he was saying. And number three is there are rewards. There just is. There's rewards to managing through creator wealth. There are eternal rewards. There are internal rewards. And there are also external rewards. There is. Did you literally you have to get a Mercedes tomorrow? But God wants to bless those who are faithful. But he blesses us three different ways. Eternally, with crowns in heaven internally with joy and peace and comfort and also externally i know for me personally i have been blessed
0: monetarily
1: and with things and with vacations and lots of things. because i know that i'm faithful and i'm generous mm. now, i don't know that for everybody but it is true and it's not a prosperity thing it's a sowing and reaping thing if you want corn plant corn if some people want corn and they're planting beans this is a sowing and reaping thing and um it's it's uh, we don't put our faith in the prosperity. We don't put our faith in things, but God wants us to enjoy this life too. And mm-hmm. so it is a definitely a but a, a, a definitely a, a tension there. But my front, my my advice to all pastors: love number one step is to sit there on the end of the stage and just be vulnerable and say, you know what? I've missed it. Going forward, I'm not shying away from the subject. And anyone who wants to talk to me after work and hear my heart, I'd love to. I'd love to talk to you. And after that, if they don't understand your heart and don't appreciate your heart, then you can very kindly and respectfully say you
0: need to be at a church where you can trust leadership and be completely okay with that. You don't have to go to the same church to go to heaven. That's right. That's right. And that might, Pastor, those of you that are listening, I call those blessed subtractions. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. I I have two more questions for you. Um, And, Chris, I want to say this uh, as one thought leader to another. I look forward for all of the resources. I pray that... You continue to create for pastors and for the church. This is such a needed area, and you speak about it so articulately. How did you begin? I mean, you've you've pastored churches. uh, You've been involved in every aspect of the nonprofit sector and management. I mean, how did you begin to know that this is what you were called to and that you had a gift to speak to these issues?
1: Well, I was a real estate agent, minding my own business back in 2007, 2007. right around that time period and I was ushering at a small church plant called Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. They were running about 150 people. Wow! And, uh, next thing you know, um, they said, Hey, you're, you're doing a good job ushering and we'd love for you to be the auditorium coordinator, which just meant that I, I've coordinated between me and two other guys. <laughs> and next thing you know, we're watching a campus and they said, Hey, you need to be the campus pastor. And then next thing you know, I moved to Miami to be a campus pastor at another church, um, down in Miami, and then at a small campus that grew. They said, "Hey, why don't you come over and do one of our bigger campuses?" That grew into multi-site, uh, multi-site director, which grew into executive pastor and CFO. And the next thing you know, Dave's calling me, and Dave Dave Ramsey, and Dave Ramsey said, "Hey, why don't you come be the voice of stewardship in America um, beside me?" And I did that for several years, and I just I just love uh, ministry, and I love um, helping people and adding value, and um, you know, those are a lot of hoops, and that's a real, real fast answer. A lot of people ask me, so what what, what works for you? And I'm going to say, well, God's the one that promotes, number one. Mm. But if we're thinking through some of the things that we think we can control, how do you get promoted? Here's two quick things that worked for me. Number one, well three, number one is crush your job description. Yeah. Number two is care about what your leader cares about. And number three is um, solve the biggest problems solve the biggest problems find out what the biggest problems are and then find the solutions those are the three things that always worked for me i do those things and then obviously i was faithful a little and and god trusted me much but um anyway that's a little bit of my journey and how it's worked but i'm very very passionate about it
0: powerful final question chris i ask every guest that comes on our show and we can throw open we can go wide open on this but i really appreciate the vulnerability what what's the most difficult unanswered question you have either, A, already struggled with, or perhaps you're struggling through now um, in your own Christian walk? For me, it's what my primary gifts are. Uh, Right now I'm a traveling speaker, and then
1: I also enjoy leadership. I love being behind the scenes. I also love being a broadcaster. Uh, I've I've got a a mix of gifts that actually makes it paralyzing which road to go down. Uh, Right now everyone's like, what are you doing right now? I literally am doing all three. And it's yep. whenever opportunity presents itself, but I—that's the biggest trouble for me is I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to be a lead pastor. I don't know if I'm supposed to be an executive pastor. I don't know if I'm supposed to be a radio host. Um, if I'm supposed to be an executive pastor, I don't know. So in the meantime, I'm just going to be faithful what like God's told me.
0: Amen, amen. So cool, Chris, and you have such a gift. You're a hybrid, and it's okay to to be a hybrid because God has gifted you that way. And I just have to tell you, uh, I can't believe how fast the time's gone in these segments, friends. I've been talking, of course, to Chris Brown. I want you to follow him at Chris Brown on air. Uh, Chris, I hope uh, that we can have you back on the program. Will you come back again and visit us?
1: I would be very honored.
0: Well, you've just blessed us with so much wisdom. Friends, this is a program you're going to want to share, so be sure and subscribe to our podcast. And those of you listening across the Faith Radio Network right now, don't change that dial. I'm going to come back uh, with a few concluding thoughts in today's broadcast. Welcome back to the program, and I'm going now to a question that was submitted to me. This is Jeremiah, your host, by the way, submitted to me on AskJJJ.com. This is coming from Alex G. Alex G. writes, Dr. Johnston, okay, so I'm 14 years old and I have a lot of anxiety and sometimes do not know how to manage it. I have found this app on the App Store called Headspace. You can check it out and if it has been and it's been very helpful in calming me down. It has absolutely nothing to do with Buddhism, Hinduism, or being one, and I picked it for that exact reason. It says things like imagine the body is rising and softening with each breath and close your eyes and feel your body relaxing. I haven't told my mom about it because she tends to overreact and say things that are instantly evil if they contain meditation. I quite like this app, and I use it every once in a while. My question is, is this app ungodly or satanic? I really don't think so. I asked around on a forum, and a few people freaked out and said it was bad news, but their explanations made them seem a little bit dotty. Nevertheless, I am a bit nervous, and I've stopped using it since. Is this app okay? Signed, Alex. Well, Alex, thanks so much for submitting this question on Ask JJJ. First off, uh, you're not alone. I'm, I'm sorry that you're experiencing anxiety, even as a 14-year-old, but you are not alone. So many out there struggle with this who are your age. Um, the first thing I want to say is, I know it's tough, but please don't keep things from your mom. Don't keep things from your parents, um, but I'm also glad that you find this show as an outlet where you can actually check these things out. I don't have a problem with the app per se. However, any time we bring up meditation, I mean, I'm a parent of five, Alex. I'm going to immediately check this out because there's things like transcendental meditation. And any time you bring up meditation, it can so often be hijacked by the Eastern religions and become something that uh, is, is much more than you're looking for. Have you considered silence and spiritual solitude? Um, This is biblical, when we just simply are silent and we listen to what God says to us through his word. I do this often in my own spiritual journey, Alex, where I pick out a Bible verse and I just simply meditate on that verse all day long. And I schedule out times where I am silent and quiet before the Lord I think so often we rush into prayer, Alex, and it's like, dear God, dear Jesus, I just need to come to you right now, and I need to ask this, and I need this, and I need that, and we just unload, and that's what we think prayer is. But guess what, Alex? You can go to a quiet place in your home or wherever you live, or you can go to a park, and you can even do this with your headphones on if you're on a bus, and you can have your Bible on your lap, and you can read this a scripture, and you can just start thinking about it and meditating on this. I mean... Think about Philippians chapter four, be anxious for nothing, Alex, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and he will give you the peace that passes all understanding. He will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. If you say that verse a hundred times and meditate on it, you watch that the, uh, the scripture promises the peace of God will garrison and protect your heart. Now, Back to your question. I mean, this app, I don't have a problem with per se. Now, I don't have time, Alex, to go check it out. I mean, there could be a whole Hinduistic thing behind it, uh, but I'm certainly I'm not opposed to it. I mean, people do things to relax. People listen to classical music. Some people listen to country music. Some people uh, play instruments. They have hobbies. They do things to relax. And I do think it's so important that we find those things in our life that help us settle down, calm down, But here's my charge to you, Alex. Make it Bible-centric. Make it Scripture-centric. When you start to really meditate or think about things, make sure it's things that honor Jesus Christ directly, Um, not things that come into perhaps competition with your love for Jesus Christ or things that can be confused because the cults and the Made Made in America religions and even the Far Eastern religions, they love to confuse us with terminology that sounds so spiritual it sounds so biblical but it's not and so again my answer to you is talk to your mom about it check it out with your parents you're under your parents roof but definitely thank you for submitting your question to me uh, but try biblical solitude just try getting alone with the lord and just meditating on a promise of scripture and i've said this before on this program There are 7,487 promises in God's word, Alex. So you're not going to run out of promises to meditate on. Uh, And let me encourage you with this, too. Um, I hope that you're in a great church that has a great youth ministry where you can believe with, you can struggle with, you can worship with, you can talk to a youth pastor with. So important right now. I mean, at the age of 14. Get this, Alex, when I was 14 years of age, I already knew that God had called me to ministry. Didn't mean I was perfect. Didn't mean I didn't have challenges or even anxieties like you. I certainly did. I mean, Alex, there was a time where if you would have told me that, um, I would speak to 5,000 people as I did last weekend on the East coast, I mean, that would have terrified me. <laughs> okay. I mean, that would have caused me to have a, a literal panic attack. And yet, the Holy Spirit at that point in my life was just saying, Jeremiah, are you willing to be called? Are you willing to live to a higher standard, as James 3 says, in view of the call of God on your life? And so, um, gosh, walk towards Christ. Meditate on the promises. Meditate on the scriptures. Um, this brings up something interesting, too, that I want to share with all of our listeners on the Jeremiah Johnston show. I was speaking last weekend and I love to do this. Um, I say this so often, my ministry does not stop when I get done with my message, and I walk off the platform. in fact, in very seriously, my ministry just begins. I love to make myself available after I speak to as many people as possible to pray over them to shake their hand and to hear their story so uh, last. Friday and Saturday, one of the topics I was speaking about was exactly what Alex just emailed me about. Anxiety, depression, mental illness, mental challenges, mental wellness in the Christian life. A mom comes up to me, and she is very emotional, very kind, but extremely emotional. And she says, Dr. Johnston, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for talking about mental health And anxiety in the Christian life. I've never heard that presented at a Christian uh, conference before. She said, you see, my son uh, tried to kill himself when he was nine years of age. He's now 11. He's okay. But he was a victim of bullying. And he tried to take his life at nine. And you know what? That mom left the conference with hope. I wrote a little note to her son. We've now communicated also since then. Um friends, I want to tell you what, we have an epidemic in the church and so you're going to hear on this program a lot in future days what we need to know about mental illness, about suicide, about depression, about anxiety, but I want to leave you with this word before we go to our break before our final segment. There is so much hope in the Christian life. It can appear to be hopeless, but you bring Jesus into that equation, And it's a game changer. He makes it that way. He brings us hope. He brings us peace. He brings us in the truth. And so, again, thank you so much for the question. And don't forget, you can always submit a question to me on AskJJJ.com. I'll be back with some final thoughts on the other side of this break. Back to our final segment. This is your host, Jeremiah. We have had a dynamic show today. Again, so much gratitude for Chris Brown joining us for those segments and dropping so much wisdom on us. Thanks so much for all the questions that have been submitted to us. And, friends, I want to remind you that Christian Thinker Society has a fantastic YouTube channel. Uh, We literally, between our YouTube channel and our public Facebook page, which go ahead and hit like over at Facebook for Christian Thinker Society, We have literally hundreds of videos up between our YouTube and our Facebook channel, and you can use these clips, you can use these videos in your personal life and in your Bible studies at your church. So please uh, consider connecting with me on YouTube, on Facebook, and while you're at it, go ahead and connect with me on Instagram and Twitter as well. Uh, We are a ministry. We do this every single day. We work eight days a week, inspiring you to be a Christian thinker and love God with all your mind. Uh, And a big part of that is you, submitting those questions to us. I'm working on a new Bible study right now. I would definitely ask for your prayers with Lifeway Publishing. It will be released in December of 2019. It's a six-week Bible study. Uh, It's really exciting. It's part of their Bible Studies for Life curriculum. It's used every single weekend by over 1.5 million Christians, 98,000 different Bible study groups. And guess what the title of the new Bible study is? Ready for this? Answering the tough questions. I mean, that's all we do all day long on this radio program. Uh, And I'm so excited that in this new Bible study, I'm going to be talking about things like, do we even need to defend the Christian faith? What does it mean to defend the faith? Um, What does it mean when Jesus said that he's God? Did he ever say he's God? I mean, this is a big issue. What about the virgin birth? Um, Other excellent questions uh, that are tough, but guess what? When we learn how to answer them, they're actually very easy, and we can do so very smoothly and confidently, knowing the scriptures speak to uh, these very important questions. And so please pray for me as I'm working on that. Uh, I'm also working on a new book right now with Baker Publishing um, and Bethany House, our dear friends over in St. Paul. Um, So excited about this new book. I can't really reveal what it is, but it's something that if you listen to this program a lot, you hear it mentioned frequently. It has to do with the number one question that I've been asked. Uh, So, friends, so excited. Please keep my family in your prayers, my amazing wife, Audrey. Uh, saintly mother of our five children, Lily Faith, Justin, Abel, Ryder, and Jackson. Uh, don't forget, I've got triplets running around, three two-year-old boys. <laughs> uh, but please pray, uh, pray for our family. I'm, I am on the front lines. I can't do it without your prayers. Uh, this has been a great show. Share it. Subscribe to our podcast, The Jeremiah Johnston Show, and consider leaving us feedback, reviews, and uh, definitely connect with us. Love to hear from you. And love to see you in a city of coming up so uh, I speak across the country and hopefully uh, come up come up say hello love to shake your hand It's been another great broadcast you're listening to Faith Radio Network. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. you also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of the Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do it with Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.